Greetings, everyone, and welcome to Rolling with Disadvantage, the D&D podcast where we won't be playing D&D. As always, I'm your host, Tyler. And I am your slowly decaying, rotting, writhing friend, Till. RWD is our podcast where we argue, debate, and scream into that void. And do a like a like a like a like a yeah. Uh, about various aspects of D&D 5th edition. Feel free to join the conversation by tweeting us at RWD Podcast or following us at RWD underscore podcast on Instagram, where I'm assuming there's memes. Memes for days. Okay, good. Uh, you know, sometimes we're on social media. Sometimes. I'm it's just hard. still it's bad about hard. it. But I tweeted recently that apparently Google is up to date on our podcast again. Oh, they fixed it? Just in time for what I believe is our episode 100. Yeah, yeah. Is that that's is that this one or that's next today? One? That's right now. Today? Yes. That's this one. That's yes. I've got a I got a pep up. Here we go. Bah, 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 bah. I know. Uh, we were we were for weeks now debating if we were going to do something, and concluded no. <laughs> I'm actually glad we didn't, <laughs> because it would just be like we're right in the middle of this adventure thing, and then to just do something totally different. Yeah. Like it would just felt weird. Yeah, I agree. I think it was bad timing on our part, but yeah, generally. Yeah. Generally, yeah, we definitely should have planned this better. Planning is not our strong suit, I don't think. We're fucking, you know, dogs chasing a car. You well, know, we yeah. wouldn't know what to do if we got it. You'd think being dungeon masters that we'd be better at planning. Yeah, well. <laughs> but we're not. A lot of DMing is just making the shit up as you go. You know, you, you, I think in hindsight, you know, always in hindsight, the best moments are almost always the ones always. that just like off the top of your head. You always. Know? Like, it, like the PC says something stupid. You're like, I could do that. Yeah something brilliant or it just comes to you you know whimsically in the moment yeah um, and the players never forget those ones because like later they're like did you plan that you're like no I'm like <laughs> yeah i know you sit there and you've got you know a year's worth of campaign planned and ready to go but that one session that you just made the fuck up the entire time they love it yeah <laughs> yeah right <laughs> the, and i i honestly, all the work you've already prepped for that's not impressive the coming up with the stuff on the spot that's the impressive part. and i think the reason that it's so memorable and often so impressive is because it feels like the PCs are more involved in the creation of it. It feels more like a collaboration and less of you guiding them through a story. Yeah, it's a natural moment. I think yeah. about um, a time when you were the elves in our campaign. Yeah. You went to a store and this guy had a cat and he grabbed the cat and he like, like, like whipped it. Like you dry a towel, like you whip a towel and it like turned into the cash register that way. I was like, I, I just made it up like right then and there. I was like, Oh my God, it's the craziest, most amazing thing. I'm like, I know. <laughs> I actually don't remember that very well. Oh, well, you didn't think it was impressive, but everybody else, um, you were drunk. Probably. Was I, did I, was, is that the store that I rope tricked uh, into the ceiling or something? No, I don't actually think you were part of that shopping session. Okay. I think you were off doing something okay. else. And that was, yeah, a, that, that was a, yeah, that was a, Tabinus Jesse shopping session. Yeah, that checks out. Um, okay. So speaking of uh, fun adventures. I am so excited for this. I actually think it's pretty cool, right? So so before we start, I just want to say that it really like I, I intentionally I this is the this is the adventure I've been dreading reading because A, I know that one of our people has it, mm -hmm. and B, I've always hoped that we would actually run it all the way through. This makes me want to play it more, actually. And after reading, I'm like, this would have been so much goddamn fun. Yeah. I uh. think it still would be. We, of course, are talking about the tomb of annihilation. Not the Tomb of Horrors, which is related, sort of, um, but the Tomb of Annihilation. Ah, so and again, fun. I think even after going through it, like this would still be so fun to do. Yeah. Even knowing what I know. Yeah. Uh, I think I'd have a blasty blast. Yeah. Like then I'll probably forget half this shit in like a week. So. Well, when we first we first we gave it a shot. One of our players he tried DMing, gave it a shot. Um, it's not you know it's not. It's not the easiest adventure to DM. It's not the hardest. Um, we got bogged down in some jungle exploration, which is a risk you take with this adventure. But there's just so much cool stuff that happens in the Tomb of Annihilation. We'll get into it. But honestly, I would have zero issue just putting characters at the whatever the max level is. for. I think it's level it's 11. 11. Yeah. I, just put them at 11 and just run chapter five. Well, I'm, if I'm not mistaken, it says early on, hey, you could just start the players at level nine. You can do it, yeah, level five or level nine, and you can actually just run the entire adventure with them there. They'll have an easier time yeah. with 
chapters one and two, but three and four will still be a challenge. And five, you can put them at level like 15 and it would still be deadly. Well, because there's a couple things in chapter five that really going to get you. Not only that, but, you know, we'll get into it, but I don't remember reading where I can fucking rest when I'm actually in the tomb in chapter five. I don't think you're really supposed to. Yeah. Like, because you're yeah, at that point. You're kind of you're at death's door. You're right there. Yeah. So we'll we'll get into that. But that that's that's a note that I made. I'm like, this would be a real chat. Like, even if you know every single thing that's about to happen, this would still be a challenge to live through. So the adventure, I want to make one note before we start. Yeah, go ahead. Before we properly start. Uh, that it it is the greatest adventure of them all. Um, because it has goblin towers in it, stacked goblins. Is is that what takes the cake? Yes. That that's the that's the one. The okay. I gotta I gotta find it. I think it's in chapter two. Uh, random is it under random encounters. Mm-hmm. Might be under random. No, it's in it's in uh, the actual town. It's in the town. Um, there are goblins who literally in tribes stack on top of each other to make goblin towers and it tells you how to fight with goblin towers. There it is. I love it. All I don't think all, I don't think it could Tyler be Tyler in this world needs. Yeah, correct. I don't know how much more I need in an adventure than goblins stacking top of each other. Well, for the sake of the show, we can talk a bit more about it. Um I think well, I do want to uh mention oh, we talked about Storm King's Thunder last week, right? Yeah. And I think we neglected to mention, uh, uh, what's her name? Gurr, the hill giant. No, no, we talked about Chief. No, Gurr. no, no. In her fat folds was a goblin trapped oh. in there. Oh, yeah. I don't think we mentioned that. Yeah, there was like a goblin trapped in there that you can set free. I think there's some weird fascination with goblins going on with these adventures lately, like making them I fun mean, and putting them in interesting places. Uh, that's just goblins be got except or, in Barovia where you don't find goblins right exactly like if if we can fit in fun goblins i think they usually yeah. try to um now actually nowadays it's kobolds kobolds are all the rage nowadays because there's new kobolds yeah it's like new pepsi or new but, coke talking about the actual adventure um probably i think what sets it apart more than anything is that the introduction is exactly what I'd expect from a pre-made. It introduces the main players, it's the bam. setting, the struggle, and then just moves on. It doesn't give you all the details in the world. It says, these are the people. This is what they're doing. This is what they want. Done. Correct. You unlike literally get teleported book, to town by the person who hires you. Yeah. Unlike every other book that has these crazy preambles, this just tells you what's up, tells you how to get to Chult, and you have a good fucking time after that. I mean... Yeah, I, I, I was going to say the exact same thing. I love the... This feels like an adventure, not a campaign, right? Exactly. Because yes, you're 100%. vaulted into the story, which it, like you read... The, the DM reads an introduction. This is something that's happening. And then you, you're you invited to the home of Sindra Sylvain, who is dying. But she still has like three months before she dies. Um, and she just bamfs you to fucking town. She literally just teleports everybody. She has like 79 days before she dies. Mm-hmm. So she's not even really under big pressure. I mean, I guess that's kind of pressure. But... So, yeah. I mean, whereas like um, Storm King's Thunder that takes place over months and months, you know, this is happening. Like you have days to figure shit out. And I love that about the adventure. Yeah. You. There is a sense of urgency, especially once you get started. But there's there is a. Uh, a challenge to overcome this adventure like if you want to rush you can't rush through the jungle like once you get to Chult you know once you get out of like you get to Chult you can kind of wander around meander around there's all sorts of fun things going on there once you get out into the jungle it's it's like actively fighting against you yeah to just to navigate the jungle and it's a big jungle it is and it talks a lot about how undead have overthrown essentially civilization and anywhere you go you are going to run into shit Correct. There are towns like along the coasts and stuff. Towns, uh, bases, forts, things like that. But there's but... there's there's really cool backstory stuff about um, the, the 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 black guard basically who raised an undead army and then like let them all go, and now they just wander around. 
I've got that in here somewhere later on. But so the only thing that I don't like about the, this sneak. early introduction slash chapter one, and I, I, you know what it is. You know what I don't like. The fucking Ring of Winter shows up again. I was both thrilled and mad because Simber and the goddamn Ring of he's Winter. He's here, though. Yes. Yes, so he is. It connects nicely to the previous adventure if you are the same characters for whatever reason. But he is here. You can actually interact with artist Simber. Somebody's tr- the 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 Red Wizards of Thay maybe are yeah, trying to get always, his or it's always. the Zentarim. Somebody's trying to get his both. I think ring. And there's frost giants. There's frost giants in the on the island looking for it. And he can actually uh, be your NPC that accompanies you to a lot of this stuff. Him and him and Dragon Bait, yeah. So, but that that was just in the preamble before they actually get into the adventure. So in chapter one. You know, you're introduced to Port Nianzaru, where there's dinosaurs and dinosaur races and pits of fighting and vibrant markets and political intrigue. And, oh, it's just vibrant and just a good time. There's a lot of good NPCs here. There's a lot of cool things to do to get involved in. Yeah. Um, But they're all kind of optional. Yeah. And they're all presented to the DM as kind of more like hooks and less like this is exactly how the side quest goes. Right. It's, it feels like D and D cause that's what they are. They're side quests. They're not supposed to be, I mean, they, they some of them do, but they're not supposed to be like necessary, right. To mm-hmm. get involved in the big yeah. story. You already know what the big story is. However, there's another NPC that is arguably just as interesting as artist Simber in town. Okay. Who's that? Volo. Volo makes his way and he's selling his book. He's selling Volo's Guide, Volo's to, Guide Monsters. to Monsters. Which you as a PC can buy and I then have to tell you what's in it minus the stat blocks. Minus the stat blocks, which I thought was just, it's just so fun, right? Like you can get, you know, just like in um, Barovia, you can encounter Mordenkainen, even yeah. though he's crazy. Here's Volo just chilling, selling his books, literally and, selling a durable hardcover edition of Volo's Guide to Monsters. And the price seems appropriate, 50 gold. That's kind of expensive. No, it makes because it you know it's about that in you know it's fifty bucks out in the real world. So yeah, but like <laughs> for your average citizen, fifty gold is yeah, like the all their money for the year. Afford such intelligence and such bravery in the face of almost certain doom, and you know, does he make it all up sometimes? Yeah, every once in a while, but it's for the good of the story. Now, I do like um, Neon Zaru and Chult, not only for what's in them, but just as an environment. You know, jungle. Mm-hmm. Hot, humid, literally like tropical storms will kick yeah. up. Like yeah. it is, it is rains not your average every setting. Every yeah. single day it rains. Yeah, imagine like, uh, I don't know, like a a rainforest, jungle. I can't really picture it any other way. It's that's what it is. That's what it's when supposed I was to reading be. It, I, I I was envisioning like, um, um, you know, eighteenth century like Vietnam. Laos, Cambodia, that kind of environment. Yeah, I think that's probably a good comparison. That or like South Central, North Southern America kind of stuff, right? Where it's just gross. There's huge bugs. There's things like that can give you diseases or poison you. Like uncivilized jungle, not to use civilized in any derogatory way, but like there's no civilization. That's what I mean. So... So before we get too far into chapter two and the jungle itself, there are two things in chapter one, two NPCs that I'm like, okay, this is pretty fucking great. Okay. One was one of the uh, merchant princes and technically it's a princess, I believe, but uh, Quayothe, the merchant has not only a succubus, but also an incubus as consorts. That is Next level badass. As you do. I mean, what kind of of sexual Tyrannosaurus is able to just get one of each to join you without trying to kill you on a regular basis? So I don't remember in reading her little description if she knew that they were their succubi and incubi. Even if she doesn't, they're not actively trying to kill her, which is incredible. Yeah, that's just they're they just she's that good. She's that good. Right. Yeah, exactly. She, well, she's wearing the ring of fire resistance too. So things can get hot. <laughs> so, so that, that I thought I'm like, okay, 
if there's any bard in the group, just take some fucking notes and learn yourself some shit. She likes torturing others, particularly if it involves fire and hot coals. So yeah. there is some kinky shit going on yes. with those uh, uh, fiends, as it were. The other one is my favorite guide, Eku, which is just a coaddle in disguise. Uh, coaddle, are, are they lawful good? They are lawful yes. good. They're essentially like dragons that like helping people. Yeah, they're like small feather dragons. Yeah, I you know they they're they're chicken lizards. I don't know what to call them really, but there's a lot of that in this. Where like something's not what you expect, or it's a shape changer, or mm-hmm. it's totally totally off the like, wall. Every single guide or guide pair has some crazy awesome secret. Like one's a were tiger, one one is the quaddle. You know, some are running from bad guys. Oh, they, they're all so fucking fun. Like you can't go wrong picking any of them. So we haven't really talked about, you know, what the, the core mission of the adventure is. The core mission of the adventure is that anybody who's ever been resurrected before is withering away. They're dying. And at the same time, all resurrection is not working, like worldwide. See, see now this is the part I don't understand because it says, like, yes, it says that resurrections aren't possible. But at the same time, it says that if you do get resurrected, you're on this clock now and you might die. No, just... it's if you have been resurrected. I read it I read it again myself because okay. the text didn't make sense the first time through. It's if you'd, if you'd been resurrected, you're sick. Okay. And it makes a note, like, that means players can't get resed if they die, so they should be ready for that. And it even talks about, like, the like meat grinder option, right? Is that... Yeah, yeah, uh... where saving throws only happen on 15 or higher. Yeah, so uh, I think... Um, Joe Manganiello, Joe Manganiello plays his games that it. way. Yeah, he's been running that for since the original Tomb of Horrors, probably. So it's you know it's a it can be a really deadly campaign. So that's the, that's the core, right? You're the person that hired you has been resurrected before. She's sick. She's dying. A lot of people worldwide dying. Nobody can get resurrected. Um, and what we conclude is that there is uh, something right stopping resurrections from happening. Mm-hmm. Um, do you learn what it is when you're in the city? I do not I, remember. I feel like Syndra gives you information. I think Syndra has some idea on what's going on. And I think she explains it a bit when she sets you on the quest. To yeah, end they, the, uh, the soul monger is yes. the device that, excuse me, is afflicting people. And that's because the Harpers, I think, uh, uh, know that. Exactly, yeah. So, you know, you define the soul monger and destroy it. Now... You don't. I don't think you technically you're told to destroy it. You have to stop it because I don't know if anyone knows if it can be destroyed. Because I don't think anyone really knows what it is. Uh, you know, you you're adventurers. You're assuming yeah. that your goal is destroying something. Right? St- stop it. End it. If you have to banish it or whatever, figure something out to make sure it doesn't kill everyone. At the same time, other people want to destroy it or study it, mm-hmm. so that you are not the only ones looking for the soulmonger. Yes. Now you discover this later, but it's early on in the adventure. The person who who's responsible for the soulmonger is like quintessential D D bad guy. Right? Down, 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 down. The Lich Asarak is he's literally from Greyhawk from, from Earth. Earth. I always said it with a hard I've always said it the same way. I've always said Asarak at the but I feel like there's an extra R in there that I have never pronounced. And I as I was typing my notes, I'm like, have I been saying Holy it wrong shit, all this there time? is an extra R in there. Yeah. Pronounced. Hold on, I'm gonna listen to it. A Sararak. A Sararak. Okay. That's yeah. what this thing says. Okay, a Sararak. I never noticed that extra R in there. Holy shit. Never once. He's like the lich on the front of the DM's guide, right? Like he's mm-hmm. the lich. He's from or he's from Orth. He's from Greyhawk World. He's not from Faerun. He's just he wanders the multiverse, torturing people. Just like Strahd is the vampire, a Sararak is the lich. Correct. And he is up to no good, basically. I love his description in a lot of this. It's like, he could have been a deity at any time. He could have taken it up. He could have pursued it. He chose not to because he likes fucking with people. Yes. He likes likes creating traps and torture and shit. And he loves, uh, you know, and you learn this campaign, it's not the first time. He loves just making evil gods to unleash on the world. Yes, absolutely. And that's more or less what he's up to this time. Like, Um, holy fuck. I think he's unique among liches in that his phylactery is not on this plane. 
It's not on this plane. No one has any idea where it is. Correct. So, and he has access. Like he will res it, buy it, no matter where yeah. it is. So you you cannot beat him, even if you do fight him later. So I assume it's on some pocket plane of his own creation. Probably a demi plane of his own creation. Yeah. So he's the bad guy. He's the thing at the end, kind of, sort of, right? Um, but yeah, you you're going for the soulmonger. So you you learn like, oh, we have to go into the jungle to find um uh, an old city. Yep. Uh, going into the jungle. What's the fucking city? Omu. Omu, thank you. Uh, which was once occupied by certain people, now is occupied by others. Um, it looks abandoned. That's because it more or less is. But there's stuff below it that's important. Mm-hmm. So the Yonti live there now. The snake people. Are you just going like high level overview of the entire thing? We is this what we're... yes. I mean, I think we do our best with our like general Cause, discussions. Because I, I, there's some chapter two stuff. There. You want to talk through. more about the jungle itself? Yeah, there's some great shit in there. Hit one, me with jungle I, stuff. The one thing I will say, uh, that's uh, there's two rules things that one I like, the other one eh, I don't really like. Uh, but the dehydration rules feel a bit tedious, don't don't you think so? Dehydration and weather tends to be tedious. So as a DM, you want to be caution yeah. cautious about um, it. And then the disease list is fucking rough. Like, one of the diseases just gives levels exhaustion until you save or die. It's a rough jungle. Like, holy shit. So I would definitely be a fucking paladin or, like, a fighter or barbarian with some great con saves going into this fucking. And players navigate via a hex map. You basically go dink, dink, dink and have random encounters and stuff at each hex. Yeah. Traveling, what, like, one hex a day? Yeah, exactly. At a pretty slow pace. But again, your goal is to find um, Omu, the town. The, the um, other two things that I noticed, not, not only in Chapter 1, but in Chapter 2, 3, and even 4, uh, and it kind of all builds itself to Chapter 5. A lot of the encounters, I'd say 90% of your encounters, you know, aside from beasts and undead, you can talk your way out of or through. Like, not everything has to be a fight. Great example is uh, uh, Aramag, the dragon turtle in the Bay of Cholt. All you gotta do is just throw gold its way as you pass by and it'll leave you alone. That's it, you know? There's a lot of that. You know, even later, I think in Omu, there's a Hydra that like will attack you unless you feed it. Like, yeah. Um, And then throughout the jungle, there are some very basic low level traps and puzzles. And this is a great way to set up the eventual tomb that is filled with much deadlier versions of these very simple non-deadly puzzles and traps. And so I think this this entire adventure does a great job of building and scaling towards what eventually is death. Now, there are some things that aren't talked their way out of. You know, if you haven't met Artist Simber before, you'll find him running in the jungle um, from a Tyrannosaurus zombie, for example, mm-hmm. which can't you can't talk to. Love Tyrannosaurus <laughs> or screaming ghouls or cannibals, right? Like things that. You're not really going to talk to those yeah. things. Um, yeah, no. <laughs> but there's so many encounters that you can have. And oh, there's yeah. so many locations in the jungle. We, we can't possibly discuss all of them. I, there's and I think so it's some, many. It's somewhat necessary because between chapters one and two, realistically, you have to hit level eight or nine by the end of chapter two if you're going to have any chance of getting through this adventure. So this is a huge exploration chunk of the adventure. Yeah. Um, cause if you, if you like somehow make it to Omu right away, you're probably gonna die. Yeah. Um, one of the things I read in chapter two that I was like, oh, this sounds really familiar. Did you, did you read the right of stolen life and what happens and how it works? Um, I might've glazed over that. It right reminded me of your life. upcoming PC that you're going to be playing. Um, turn a dead human into a zombie like creature. Okay. You forget your past. You become undead, all these things. I'm like, oh, yeah, 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 that checks out. This is where I'm from. No, it's not. Yeah, this is you now. So um, I read that. I was like, that's cool. Um, I think the only, like, the fro- you would run into the Frost Giants and their ship, uh, Havalspid, uh, in the jungle. Which is totally uh, and- atopic to the, to the location, right? It's not what you yeah. expect to find in any if way. If you shape, tell anyone about it, and they didn't physically see them, they won't believe that Frost Giants... Like, they won't even think it's possible for Frost Giants to exist on this island. Um, But that's a challenging encounter. The only other encounter, in my opinion, that might be deadly in Chapters 1 or 2 
is uh, with Cindelore slash Tinder, the Red Dragon. If in that's, the mind. that's that's one that might be deadly. But the one thing in this campaign that I noticed is not lacking, but just that you don't really encounter because of the nature of the encounters. You don't get a lot of treasure early on. No, not unless you explore some really deadly shit. And even then, it's not like the greatest treasure in the world. Yeah. Even later in the dungeon, it's not the greatest treasure in the world. It's not. Um, but the dragon, you know, coincidentally, very deadly encounter has probably the best treasure you will find between chapters one and two. So there is a kobold who thinks he's a dragon <laughs> and he has lots of treasure. Yeah. Um, but we can go, we can move right into chapter three and this is kind of where the game kicks it up a notch. Yeah. This is where the adventure really happens for the most part is yeah. in Omu, um, because, suddenly you're thrown into it you're exploring the city uh to find like anything really right mm -hmm. but also the red wizards of thay are here yep like they're doing the exact same thing and you might have run into them in chapter two it depends on random encounters but you definitely run into them here oh and also at some point between chapter two and three you unknowingly were visited by a hag a night hag mm -hmm. and you didn't ever realize it <laughs> um but you basically have to explore the ruins of this and you you may or may not get involved in like yanti politics right yes. um between what's his name why can't i fucking ross and c and ross uh, and c and the other woman uh it's like or something why can't i fucking why did not write it i don't think i know i didn't write it down i don't think i wrote it down uh well now i'm gonna find it okay because it's like kind of important an easy alliance. Yeah, I didn't write it down. Oh, there's also pygmies here. While you're looking that up, there's two fights that are in Chapter 3 that I'm like, yes, fucking awesome. One is the frog hemoth fight. I love a classic frog hemoth fight. You can't go wrong with that. You know, it's always a good time. And the second one is King of Feathers, the T-Rex, with the ability to Misty Step at will. As all T-Rexes should be able as to do As all T-Rexes so. should be. Somehow, it is still showing a CR8. It should be like CR10. Probably, right? Uh, whatever. I can't... I, I don't know why I can't really remember her fucking name, because um, I'm so stupid. I think I know the exact page I need to go to to find it. Give me just a sec. You talk about something else, I'll get it for you. Because she's one of, like the night serpent people who's trying to the yanti are actively trying to bring about the end of the world simultaneously with dendar serpent of the night that's like not the main thing their apocalypse is something you worry about later because ross ross who is he was a paladin who raised an undead army to fight uh god defeated came to the yanti they turned him into a yanti now he leads them as a yanti malison malison um and he's it's like, yeah, line. we're going to bring the Night Serpent to kill everybody and end the world. But secretly, he like loves his himself too much to let that happen. So like, their apocalypse isn't really happening. So, and well, the other thing that's important to note is that Ross and C was resurrected at one point. So he's dying from the fucking uh, Soulmonger. That's uh, why if you tell him that you're actively looking for it, he will actually help you. He won't do so much as show you where it is, but he will give you all the keys you need to get into the final fucking tomb and find it and destroy it. Correct. Getting kidnapped here, like getting taken captive, has a 50-50 shot of being really beneficial for you. Yeah. Because you could get you can get taken captive by Ross and C, who if you if you talk your way out of it, he's like, yeah, hell, hell yeah, go, go deeper. Fenthaza. 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 That an F. But if you get kid captured by servants of Fenthaza, she enslaves you and wants to use you against Ross and C, and like, and eventually wants to kill you anyway. And then like, yes, yes, it, that's, it's that's bad all around. All bad news. So if, that's horrible. You do not want that. There's no good side to that. No, not um, at all. Unless, except that you get to spend one day doing slave chores and kind of gaining information. But I would still argue that's bad news bears. Uh, honestly, I don't like that. That's probably the one thing I dislike is in chapter four that it can start with just you being captured like it's a fucking basic adventure. I don't yeah, like it, that. It, 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 that section feels bad, man. So you, you just don't want that to happen, yeah. generally speaking, right? Excuse me. So, But everything else, a lot of – I love – just, you know, we don't like that – one side is going to definitely kill you. One side is definitely going to help you. But 
I like the political dissidents and a, a really good RP team of players could have a lot of fun with that. Yeah, you could lead a slave revolt, way. you know, if you get captured. Like, you could yeah. actually have some fun with it. But again, your goal is to actually find these puzzle cubes. There are nine puzzle cubes that represent these trickster gods, these, like, cool tribal deities from old Chult, right? Mm -hmm. They're, like, they're still there. They're still kind of hanging around being gods, but they're not, like, super powerful anymore because they're more or less, like, trapped um, down below in the dungeons that we're going to get to. Yeah. Um... And you, you learn about them um, through a variety of things, right? Probably the grossest part about the Yanti temple is the ritual they do to turn humans into Yanti. Yeah. Where you just writhe and slither with them in a sacrificial blood pit. And then like 1d6 days later, you turn into a Yanti. The blood pit. You really can't go along with a blood pit. Like that thing is disgusting. Uh, <laughs> I don't know why you have a problem with the blood pit. Disgusting. Okay. I mean, if you say so. But... Uh Chapter four, I feel like a lot of it is is giving you background. And uh, honestly, this is where you get a lot of equipment that you're going to need to get through chapter five is well, working with certain again, people. Again, if you got captured by Ross to see, he like lets you go on the armory, basically. Yeah. Uh, and just fucking take shit. He gives you, yeah, because he gives you the password to get past the Bone Naga and just take what you need, except for the Bone Naga shield. Don't touch it. The it's Bone not Naga his shield. It's somebody else's shield that he's like, nope, you can't yeah. fucking take that. Yeah. You He's cannot. Very of it, or she uh, I love a good bone naga. Bone naga is like the challenging, the most challenging of the naga, right? Mm -hmm. uh, I'm pretty sure. I feel like there's one above it, but yes, it's very difficult if you actually uh, try to fight it. So you can infiltrate this, the Yanti temple if you're humans, but they talk in like a patois, um, which is if you've ever been to like Jamaica, it's like that. I was thinking um, very like uh, Creole. New yeah, that same thing. I think that falls into uh, the patois yeah. category of like it's a mixture of languages. So you have to like make uh, deception checks to like talk like them. Yes, yes. Um, and if you don't like, if you don't look either like a human or magically disguised as the auntie, it's all done with disadvantage. So if yeah. you're a fucking Goliath trying to run up there, I'm one of you guys. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no. Good so luck. you could get. You know, captured, do the whole thing we talked about, be a slave. Um, but eventually, you want to <clears throat> like infiltrate the temple uh, and get farther down. I'm scrolling further down. Uh, where is the thing? Past the blood pool. To get to the Hydra in section 21. Yes, that's what I want to get to. Yeah. I, I, I'm a little. I hate scrolling. Like, frankly, I don't like looking at adventures in D&D &D Beyond for this reason because I. I never remember where anything is. There we go. Hydra's lair. Um, but yeah, this Hydra, like he's, he's kind of guarding the way for, forward. Again, just feed him. Mm -hmm. And he's fine. If, if it's not fed immediately, it attacks. But yeah, so, so as long as you him. have something on hand, like a dead body of someone that you've killed along the way to get here, you're good to go. But there's a secret tunnel going forward. It's all you really need. And then Going. you get into the tomb. Then you get into, you know, so this is the end of the adventure. This is a dungeon crawl. Honestly, I think you and I could spend an entire session talking about just chapter five and all of the shit in it. So th this is a multi-session dungeon crawl. Easily. I was thinking five sessions. In, uh, I, I don't know about game. that, but yeah, it's a lot. So I said five because I feel like after the first, like, dozen traps... The party's going to become so cautious that That's true. advancement will just crawl. So below the Yanti temple, like below Omu, Asererek built the tomb of the nine gods, like to, to, to like keep those trickster gods here. Yes. Um, but also to put a bunch of traps to kill people because it would feed phylacteries, basically. Yes. And then eventually would feed the soulmonger and that whole bit that we haven't talked about yet. At the end. When they're talking about the number of phylacteries, like other liches Jesus phylacteries. Christ, by the way. There were like per balcony, like 2d6 plus 5 phylacteries. Correct. 7 to 17 <laughs> with an average of like, I don't know, 12. Yeah. Just 12. And like that's an entire adventure. Yeah. Is figuring out who these phylacteries belong to and killing them. So that's the scary part for me is 
Acerarak built this, and this it's this is just what he does. Yeah, he builds these horrible places all over the world. You could oh make my. an entire campaign of just following in his footsteps, disabling what he's done with the goal of destroying him. Like, like that's a that's a max level campaign. Like obviously we can't talk about all of them, but what were some of your favorite encounters in Chapter Five? Uh, aside from the stupid fucking skeleton keys. Okay. <laughs> like literally yeah. chasing them around. Yes. Yes. Like, Aside from that. I think that's so fucking hilarious, honestly. Um, but there's like a, isn't there like a beholder molds, if I was remembering this correctly? There is, there, yeah, it's an alien fungus. Yes, that I, that I love. And if you destroy it, an eye stock pops out and shoots you with an eye ray. Yes. And if you ever try to find the beholder, guess what? It's invisible. There's an invisible beholder in here. There's an Correct. invisible beholder. A Serac permanent seed invisibility on this beholder. There's also something else big and bad. Okay, ready? I'll go through the list. There's uh, this the one. There's these an the ones that I wrote down. There's, yes, a beholder. There's an Ableth. There's uh, Nefelschnee somewhere. I don't remember where. There's devils out the ass in one room yep. where if you turn, it's in the, ro the revolving room. Yep. And if you face north, you know, once every four rounds, 1d4 various devils pop out to come eat you um there's stone juggernauts there's a night hag coven there's flesh golems adorned in plate mail there's, there's also uh um island of misfit toys toys yeah yeah so those are the night hag there's no uh, they're 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 souls fight. of souls of children trapped by the night hags there's a, a nikoloth with a vorpal axe i mean Oh my God! Not to mention the Atropole and Acerarak himself. Correct. We haven't even mentioned the. Uh, is it Atropole, Atropole, yeah, whatever it is, atropole, right? That's my note. Like atrophy, but Atropole. Right. We haven't even mentioned that yet. But this place is stacked. Yes. With and that's five just levels. The monsters. That's not including just the traps that kill you. Correct. Like, these traps will do 40, 50, 60, 70 plus damage per fuck up. There is in, I don't remember if it's five or six, when you're going through like the puzzle rooms, um, there's a room where you can fight a dust method. Yes. Right? And he has like, he has special code words that he can say in the room to do things. Mm -hmm. Three of them. First one, it's like, uh, okay, I say this word bloat bug and any creature... One creature within 50, uh, uh, 30 feet of me, its weight is increased by 50%, right? That's funny. Suddenly, you're fatter. Yeah. That's hilarious, right? Yeah. But he has another word. Sp spindle dash. The effect targets a random creature in the room. Basically, everybody rolls a d20. Whoever rolls the lowest just takes 20 damage. Uh-huh. There's no save. You just take 20 just take force it. damage. You just take it. Yeah. So, so sometimes these things are like that. Uh, there's another one. Da -da 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 -da. The 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 upside down fan reverse gravity. Uh -huh. <laughs> Just, if you screw up, if you screw up the 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 puzzle, <laughs> reverse gravity affects the room, and the ceiling turns into a giant fan that you can fall into and take eight d ten slashing damage. And that's not even the deadly encounter in this fucking place. It's uh, honestly. I think probably one of the deadliest traps in this entire thing, maybe not deadly, but I think the one that probably would cause the most trouble for a party long-term is that there is one section in Kubazin's tomb where three wraiths at a time will pop up and attack you. Now, you're level 11 at this point. The wraiths aren't going to kill you, but because the soulmonger is active, when they drain your hit points, you don't get them back. Correct. Negative hit points cannot be restored. So you're going into that final fight with the Atropole and against the fucking Soulmonger that has tentacles that beat the fuck out of you. Yep. Definitely not at 100%, no matter the what rates, you do. And the Wraiths chase you. Yeah. They're not fucking around. Yeah. They're, they're just going to follow you until you kill them or they kill you. And probably the deadliest part about the temple that you wouldn't realize until it was too late is that you can't teleport out of it. Yep. Shit's gone bad. You're level 11. You have Dimension Door. You have, you know... Misty Step. Uh, you have Misty Step. You've got things that might be able to get you out of a fight. No. No, well, they don't. You can they use some you, of them. 
they take you to Area 57, and you get to try and fight your way out again. The oubliette. Oh. Oh, what a Uh, fucking bitch of a tomb. Which is, uh, first of all, like the second time we see an Otiug eating trash, by the way. Oh, yeah, there's... Well, so there's not nice Odiugs, but in the port, there's just a bunch of Odiugs at the bottom of the trash pit that right. keep the trash level low. They just eat. They just eat trash. Yeah, and they're content to just stay down there and eat trash. Um, the what was I going to say? There are speaking of how long this will take, right? As a dungeon, yeah, a dungeon crawl, multiple sessions. There are puzzles at the end that like are. Puzzles for the players. Yeah. And they're actively challenging puzzles with yeah. very little interways of clues. Like, I feel like there's a lot of stuff that happens <laughs> after the ad- actual, like, fights all end. Correct. You go through the le- five levels of this dungeon. You chase down one skeleton key in each level, which is literally a skeleton that's head is carved into a key. And you have to chase it down and snap its head off and take the key. Then you get down to the bottom. And you have to start using those keys to access level six, which has like, to get through there. There's a bunch more puzzles and they're actual, actual puzzles. Like one of them, you have to like look into a mirror, say piggy, 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 <laughs> and like use something else to manipulate a lever. If you do it wrong, fucking werebores come tumbling out of the mirror. Like, how am I supposed to know to do that? Yeah. those things? I know or it says have- piggy, piggy, piggy somewhere, but like, how am I supposed to know to do this? Or you have to wear a frog mask and do four things with the frog mask yeah, on. Yeah. Um, or skeletons pour out a cauldron endlessly. Yeah. I mean, first of all, I do think the piggy, piggy, piggy thing is like a an urban legend, right? Wasn't that like in oh, there's so many, American you know, Horror Story or something? There, there, you know, there's Piggy, there's Candyman, there's Bloody Mary. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. It's, like, it's one of those, yeah. right? So there's like actual puzzles that you don't know how to do with huge consequences to them. Huge consequences. Like, bad shit can happen. What's interesting is, again, you're at level 11. You know, you're going to have, you know, 80 to probably 115, 120 hit points, depending on who the tanky barbarian is in this group. So no individual trap is going to kill anyone. But just the, the multitude of them that you have to work your way through and that you are going to take damage from, no matter how careful or clever you are, It just eats away at you as you go. And you're sitting there like, can I short rest? No, this tomb will eat you alive if you try to rest. I think the rooms, the trial of the triangle square, like those, I think those rooms at the end are the safest to rest in, frankly. Yeah, that's where you can get like a short rest in. Right, like when you've made it to the end, you get a chance to catch your breath. But again, while you're doing that, things might be repopulating. The hags might have gone to the ethereal and be coming back or weren't. First it's, of all, first of all, go ahead. You literally can't like rest and get an advantage on these night hags you see later because at some point the night hags visited you and took your hair or something you didn't know it. Mm-hmm. And they made a clone of you which knows everything you know and they've been interrogating it the whole time. And then they're going to eat it, but now, you know, but they know everything. They know everything that you've been doing. Yep. So you can't even get a jump on them. And that's like one of the last encounters. And a in a in a coven of night hags is not the hardest thing in the world, but it's still has something to be fucked with, especially because yes. they can just go to the ethereal plane. They get coven spells. Correct. Coven spells are incredible. And their whole goal is just to take the keys you need to progress forward. If they take one, they just bamf away. Yeah. And like, then bye, fuck it. you. And you can't do anything. And you have to find them right. and get it back. It's a fucking pain in the ass. So like and then, then you're just left with so, like a like a bizarro Superman clone of yourself. What do you do with that? Hi. It's, they're literally my done with it. Like, we're going to eat it now. We don't care. So you rescue it, and you have like a smaller, scrawnier version of one of your players. Like, what the fuck do I do with this thing? It doesn't so, even really say what it does with what you should do with it, I don't think. Well, I, I would make an NPC. But the one thing that you can do um, that we haven't really talked about, we, we, we're you know, running low on time, but this is the tomb of the trickster gods. You can, in fact, become possessed by the nine trickster gods. Correct. They can they can buff you and be nasty. Yeah. So my favorite part is, like, the buffs are fine, but I love every time you go to do something, 
they might have an opinion about it. They they are very opinionated trickster gods. Like, like, you know, the Shaolin will be like, oh, I don't think we should do this. Whereas the chaotic evil one will be like, go fucking smash that shit. They being possessed by the trickster gods, which you can you you kind of want to actually, because they will you buff you to. in the you fight, right? Have to. Yeah. They the problem with that is you're supposed to inherit a flaw from them and you really need your players to embody those things. Yes. Right? When you take on, I don't know. I am risk averse and a slave to routine. You really want your players to like do that and not kind of ignore that part of that, of the story. Cause you literally have some old tribal deity, like hanging out inside you. So there are a lot of times, uh, where you'll be faced with a puzzle, a challenge of some or some kind. And depending on which trickster gods you guys have inside you, one of them might actually have good information Correct. About how to encounter it and how like to deal with feast, it. Like the feast room. Yeah. Um, where you like you have to eat you have to eat this magical food, or you get essentially you get penalized. You get like I think you get exhaustion or something from not eating it. Um, starvation, you get starvation. But like if you have the right deities, they'll be like, oh, you know, I would avoid that food there, man. Like they do mm-hmm. that whole bit. Yeah. Uh, and that that's that's helpful. Um, but other ones like you should eat that, and it's like not so helpful. <laughs> yeah. Um. Uh. In the Hall of Finality, um, there's a there's a tiled pathway and there's a not tiled pathway. And wise Shagambi urges the host to not stray from the tiled pathway so that you don't get the ill effects of doing so. And like, it's just, it's little wonderful things like that. And you're like, oh, well. But Fickle Ejin wants you to follow the purple pathway because they like purple. Yes. Um, all right. Most importantly, the most important thing, the reason that you really need the trickster gods it's because inevitably you're going to kill the Atropole. And when you so kill you, the Atropole, you get all the way to the bottom. You get through all the puzzles. You end up in this triangular room that's full of lava and suspended in the center of the room by adamantine beams, like pretty tough little beams, is this massive glowing cylinder that is the Soulmonger, sucking in souls. It somehow has tentacles that can attack you. They fuck you up. But there's also an Atropole, which is like a it's like a fetal god. Yes, a basically. fetal evil god. Fetal evil is my next metal band, by the way. Okay. Fetal evil. Yeah. Um. Let's see. What's uh, I'm trying to find the H triple stat block here. I think they're challenging 13, 12 or thirteen. Thirteen, correct. Yeah. Uh, I used one in the campaign once. It is. They used updated. to be more challenging, believe it or yeah, not. They're not easy. Well, they used to appear in the epic level handbook in third edition, I believe. Yeah. Well, so I think with that, um. D&D made a very conscious effort to bring a lot of CRs down because there is no epic levels anymore. Correct. So go to level 40 anymore. Challenge 13 with magic resistance and legendary actions. Like that's, it's going to be hard. It has a great ability um, to just, what's its, what's its uh, Nova blood. It does like a Nova it has a negative energy aura. Yeah, saying? that's it. Yeah. Any creatures within 30 feet can't regain hit points. And anyone that starts his turn within 30 feet takes 10 damage. Yeah, just straight up. Now, if you have a, a Vorpal weapon, it says Vorpal sword specifically, but I think Vorpal can apply to other things. Any you can cut weapon. the umbilical cord and stop this effect, because which is hilarious. An Atropole is tied to the negative energy plane, and it is just pulsing out negative energy at all times. It's if you pr- cut the umbilical cord, it's no longer tied to the negative energy plane and therefore doesn't do that. Correct. It's, it but, is like an undead baby titan god. It's stupid. But So essentially, you you kill the Atropole, you destroy the Soulmonger. Well, fuck. The fight is to over. You're probably fucked at this. Like You've probably taken so much of a fucking beating at this point, and yet you got one fight left. So killing the you, you actually have to kill the Atropole before Acerarak gets mad. You have to so you you could just kill the Soulmonger and try to run away. You probably will die if you do that. Correct. Because you can't teleport or anything. Um, but the Atropole won't chase you, so you could I guess short rest and come back and fight the Atropole. But you definitely have to kill a Soulmonger to for the adventure. You most likely are going to kill the Atropole because no one likes taking damage, and if you do both those things. The Lich shows up. Big Papa Pump shows up. Challenge rating. <laughs> 23. With a Sphere of Annihilation. That's my favorite part, is that for two, not three, 
for two legendary actions, he can use the Sphere of Annihilation just plow through you, dealing 4d10. No a, saves, no attacks. It does 4d10 for It's 10. a legendary item that it's, he has. Yeah, and he's just, he's just like, oh, here, just take it. Hold on to this for me. He will fucking fuck your day into next week. Paralyzing touch. You're stuck there just taking whatever he throws at you. At will spells up to level three. So he can, he, he has counterspell. So once a turn, he is going to counterspell something you do. Which he can do like as a legendary action. He can use legendary actions for at will spells as well. Uh, not not counterspell, he can't reaction yeah, yeah, yeah. it. But like, he can also just, you know, do what, he can shocking grasp just because as a legendary sickness. action. At, at, bam. Correct. Bam. bam. Uh, or again, his three action legendary three action, action. Pulse, yeah. Disrupt life. DC 20 con save or take 42 damage. Straight up. <laughs> Boop. Correct. And you take half on a, fail, on a successful and save. So. Again, at this point, you have gone through this entire tomb. You've gone through the jungle. and it, Like, there have been things this entire game that have probably eaten away at your max health. And it isn't until you destroy that soulmonger that you can even get it back in any way. So you don't have your full health no matter what you do at this point in the game. So hopefully... You a, a party of five life clerics and you're still fucked. Well, here's the fucked part. If you killed the Atropal before you killed the soulmonger, Acerarak will show up with the soulmonger still there. <laughs> yes! <laughs> and then you're like, oh, well, fuck, now we're fighting this lich by this lava. Can't restore our health. And if we die, we're dead unless we break that thing. And it, he absolutely positively has power word kill. So which, one of you is going to die. Which he can do multiple times. Three, no, finger of death. He has finger of death. He can do it three he times. Two, uh, four. Power yes, he two. also has disintegrate and circle of death. <laughs> like ultimately, just with power kill. Ignoring the other ones because you might save have or get lucky. Kill. He doesn't. He has finger of death. I thought he had power kill. Uh, no, finger, finger of death's better because it actually okay does that's damage. Not, well, I don't know. If it's, I mean, power kill just straight up kills. But if you have more than hundred life, you don't die. Okay, again, you're level 11. Eh, okay, You've been right. drained your entire way here. You right. That's, that's probably why he doesn't have it, actually. They probably didn't give it to him because it would be an instant kill no matter what. Well, you're assuming someone's going to die here. Yeah, there's no way. There, there's no way that you have fought everything you fought and gotten to this point and fought a Sarak and not had somebody die. It's impossible. So it's impossible. you fight him. You're possessed by the trickster gods. You fight him. Which is good. They give you 50 temporary hit points and advantage on attacks, right? Against a Sarek. Uh, in addition to, like, other stuff. But you beat him, right? Hooray. Like we mentioned earlier, there's, like, a whole side adventure now. <laughs> Bam. So, and you probably didn't beat him. If he drops below 100 oh, yeah. hit points, he teleports away. He, no, well, he, he teleports away. If you beat that somehow, he disintegrates and he'll reform by his phylactery. Yes, but you're not doing that. Your no. your only hope is that you saved enough high level spells and he didn't counterspell them successfully to lower his because he only has not only, but he has like two hundred and ninety hit points, right? Uh Sararak has two hundred and eighty-five. Yeah. So doing hundred and ninety damage as a party of eleven level eleven characters, it's possible. With the buffs, it's doable. It's possible, but it's unlikely. Right. <laughs> so, yes. Okay, you did it. He drops all his cool shit. He's got cool shit. Y yeah, if you if you kill him. If, you if kill he teleports, him. you don't care. Yeah. So, but then the game goes on. So, again, there's these all these phylacteries that you can see, that you can collect, <laughs> which you can't even destroy. You have, like, a 10% chance of destroying If you throw one. it in the lava, yeah. But they all have, like, a legendary way to kill them. And, again, these all belong to liches, so you have the option, like, should we... Like, do something about these because that means there's uh, each balcony has what do we say, like 12 on average? Yeah, each balcony that means there's 20 something liches just out there in the world living life, but you don't even want to destroy them, right? You want to find the lich first, <laughs> yes, because if you destroy it, the lich knows and has correct. time to remake it, correct? So, there's a whole side adventure that gets started by this, but you're not done because there is a what's the what's the chapel called? Oh, the the the, the chapel of hate, of finality, or whatever. Come the on, chapel now. of hate. Once you kill. Oh yeah, I mean shit. There, there's. 
There's like a, a second section where they were planning on baptizing the A-Triple in a, the blood of a, a sacrifice who happens to be one of the NPCs that you encountered before. Just like kidnapped here, chilling. That you get to rescue. And then the Halls of Finality. Yes, which isn't even still the end. You can go to the Red Library where if you really fuck up, you run into her on a Cardaloth. It's just a Yugoloth under the uh, effect of an alter self spell who is just Mr. Fox. Yes. Uh, <laughs> but he's ba- he's bound here, right? Yeah, he's not going to chase you or anything, but don't pick a fight. You've been through so much. Yeah. Just, 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 and just leave. Just fucking walk. Away, I would, mate. I would leave, right? I would kill the soulmonger, get the fuck out to leave and go away. There's other treasures you can find and whatnot, but like this, this is such a hard dungeon to survive. Maybe you come back here. Maybe like, we got to fucking go. We got to tell everybody we did it. Talk to what's her name. Tell her we did it and go to sleep for a week. Oh, oh my shit. God. Uh, so I think, you know, we're, we're out of time, but I think this is a really so much fun. Great adventure. Again, you don't have to be the best DM to run it. It's not the hardest to run, but it's definitely not the easiest to run. Um, yeah, definitely you're... before each session, read what you want to get done. And that, that's my best advice for running this one. For play, You really need players who are willing to explore and willing to spend time dealing with a puzzle. Because if they walk into a puzzle room, like, oh, I fucking hate this. It's not going to go well. It's not going to go well. Man, what a great adventure. So I think this would be a great adventure. Um, and I would encourage... Jesse had this, didn't he? Yeah. Jesse, try again. <laughs> for me. Do it for me. Yeah. Because um, um, it'd be super fun to play. Again, like I said, or just put the guys at level 11 and just drop them in the tomb if you just want to have like a you know four or five session, see if you guys can do it run. Yeah. I do want to note that even if you win, if Rostnessy is still alive, he sends Yanti after you to kill you. <laughs> and of course, a Sararak will come kill you eventually too. Yeah. Oh yeah. You're you're not escaping him. No. Which Those is just characters. like it's just like with Curse of Strahd. You beat Strahd, but he's not really dead. He's gonna come back and fuck up your day. A Sararak, yes. he's gonna reform. He's he, but he's not quick about it. He's going to avenge his his own defeat. The difference is Strahd is challenge rating like 13 or some shit. I don't know. He's a vampire. I can handle a vampire all goddamn day. So an all-powerful lich. Just well, here's don't. the here's the line at the very end of the adventure. The arch lich, a Sararak, isn't quick to avenge his defeat. He prefers to let time, his most powerful ally, slay the adventures. Like he'll let you live and die. Once you're dead and gone, he sets out to make life miserable for your descendants. Ah. He is truly evil. Classic. So like he will he'll let you age to death, but if that's not gonna happen, he'll kill you, right? Like if you're a druid or something, he'll just fucking kill you. And then he will torture your children and your grandchildren. Your children's children. There'll be a curse upon your house. Yeah, correct. Your your children's children children. Like, why is life so hard, mommy? Well, there's a curse upon us because your great granddad destroyed a lich one day, but he didn't really destroy the lich. <laughs> like, like if I was that adventurer, I'd have to like train my family from the day they're born on how to survive. Correct. You'd be children. the um, what's the Castlevania family? The Belmonts. The Belmonts. No, no, the. Yeah. Yeah, the Belmonts. Yeah, that's right. All right. I think this is a great adventure. Great adventure. A lot I would of fun. love to I would love to play it. I think I want to hear from people who've played it. You know, tell me if it's as good as we think it is. <clears throat> Excuse me. I think just the last note I would say on this is that you can really tell that the writers, the D writers, learned a lot from the feedback from the previous adventures when they made this and incorporated all of those notes into this adventure. I agree. This feels like, a, again, not every adventure is written by the same team, but this feels like a more mature 5th edition adventure and not a campaign. Yes. So, all right. Uh, again, I want to hear from you. Make sure to subscribe and rate the show wherever you found it. You can also listen on Google Podcast now. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Feel free to send us topics, 
you want to hear about or your D&D rants at rwdpodcast at gmail.com. Happy episode 100 of Rolling with Disadvantage. As always, we will see you next time. Till then. Goodbye. Thank you.